Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Jazz Times. Guitarist producer Nate Najar's new CD, Jazz Samba Pra Sembri, celebrates the 60th anniversary of Jazz Samba, the landmark 1962 album by Charlie Bird and Stan Getz that launched the international bossa nova craze. Tenor saxophonist Jeff Rupert, bassist Herman Burney, drummer Chuck Redd, and Najar's wife, Brazilian vocalist Daniela Soledadji, join him in this loving tribute to jazz and Brazilian music. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Nate is well-versed in the latest trends in social media and music production, and how to capitalize on it all to great effect. He combines this knowledge with an old-school attitude. I asked him how he accomplishes this old and new approach. I've never made anything come out of the guitar and sound like what it's supposed to sound. I have never done it. Every day I inch a little closer. I have never made anything come out of the instrument the way it's supposed to sound. But I I feel like I've accomplished so much on sheer will alone. Now, the reality is I practice a lot. The other reality is, you know, I'm playing a non-traditional jazz instrument because I play a classical guitar and I, I'm using air quotes here. I try to play it with classical technique. But when you're playing jazz, you don't know what the fingerings are because you don't know what the line is. You don't know what the notes are. And even, you know, if it's not a solo, it's just a company, whatever it is, everything is still in the moment. And so you're not prepared for it. And in a performance situation, you'll do whatever you can do to get the note out. So uh, the old school approach, I mean, I learned old school. I I learned how to play on the streets. I learned because I showed up anywhere that there was music playing with a guitar and said, can I sit in? And thankfully, enough people tolerated me that uh, I'm I'm still here playing. (laughs) (laughs) How old were you when you were doing that, when you started doing that, started Um, showing up to sit in? Honestly, my dad would, uh, there was a joint around the corner from where I was growing up that my dad liked to hang out, and there was a blues band. So I was about 12 years old when it started. And the minute I could drive, it really let loose because when I had a car, I was anywhere that there was a gig happening. <laughs> and I showed up with a guitar. I don't care what kind of music was being played. You know, that's why I'm fairly well rounded. Uh, I didn't care what kind of music, I just wanted to play the guitar with people. And your you dad know? dropped you off when you were too young to drive. Well, no, he would take me to this joint and he'd hang out with his buddies and I'd play with right. the band. You no, know? but it's fantastic. Well, yeah. I, I say that because Howard Alden's grandparents used to drop him off at my gig before mm-hmm. he was old enough to drive. Oh, wow. To sit in. Yeah, so dad didn't thing. drop me off. Dad stayed. You know, <laughs> no, they just, dropped him yeah. off. Oh, that's I, awesome. I, I think I, like I seemed that. I seemed responsible, so they figured she looks she looks okay. You know, yeah. he, he isn't going to be murdered in this jazz joint. Yeah. See, with me, it was a bunch of drunks with sunglasses playing blues. So you know, I don't think he was going to leave me. <laughs> no, you know? no, and no. Back, no. Then, back then, the whole joint was filled with smoke. You couldn't see. You know, it was a cloud of smoke in the place. It was you know, you burned your clothes when you walked in the front door when you got home. So. <laughs> 
Well, what was the first thing that you heard? You gave me, you brought me some beautiful, beautiful music that inspired you. But what was the first, can you remember the first thing you heard that made you this crazy person about the guitar that just made you want to play every minute? Well, you know, you're going to appreciate this. This is um, the first thing that I heard that made me want to do this. This would have been before I ever started playing. Okay. I grew up in Florida. Back then, there wasn't nearly the traffic or, uh, you know, density that we have now. So it took an hour to get to Disney World. And, you know, we're kids, suburban kids in Florida. Every weekend, Mom, can you take us to Disney this weekend? And, you know, so we'd go to Disney for the day, right? And I just remember, um, matter of fact, I even mentioned it to him a week ago on on Facebook. But I just remember at the castle at the Magic Kingdom at Disney World, Metz was playing drums. Eddie Metz was playing drums. <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guitar player named Steve Luciano was the guitar player. Uh, Steve is from Connecticut, actually. He studied with Sal Salvador. Um, wonderful uh, Orlando-based jazz guitar player. And, you know, and they were Disney musicians playing whatever the variety show was. And the people are, and I wasn't watching the people singing and dancing. I was watching Steve with his yellow electric guitar and Metz with that big grin on his face. And, uh, you know, at the castle. And I was I was in heaven. I said, I want to do that. <laughs> so that's what started it. You know, it's funny because I'm thinking of people listening to this who didn't grow up in California like I did or Florida like you did, thinking about getting to go to Disney every single weekend. You have the envy of every child in America right now. I know, and it's insufferable because, you know, like I don't, our, you know, our kids, they want to go to Disney. We've taken them twice in three years and we're in no hurry to bring them back. Uh, I'm. They're I'm, still there. You left them still. Go rescue those. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Quick, call your wife. <laughs> no people would come. I'm relating with this, and I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but it's so much fun. I remember that I went to a boyfriend that I dated in high school was playing there for like when they do the high school thing comes. He was a trumpet player. And I sat and listened to the piano player the whole day instead of going and listening to him. And I had to lie and say that I'd gone and listened to the band. (laughs) And he said, what did you think of my solo? I said, boy, it was great. And he hadn't had a solo that day. So I was completely nailed on it. Oh, he got you. Yeah. When I was a kid, I wanted to just sit and listen to the musicians because they hire great musicians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, that's what absolutely. it's supposed to be. Well, they don't hire them anymore. You know, I mean, nowadays, the singers and dancers, it's all tracked. I'm not even sure they're actually singing. I mean, they might be, but it's, just, <laughs> it's a different world. But back then, they had to have a band. It was, you know, it was incredible. The main, the parade, the Main Street Electrical Parade, the whole thing was done on a Moog synthesizer, you know? I mean, that's culturally significant stuff. It is. It is. I, I feel very fortunate that I worked there and got to hear so many great musicians yeah. and that I was there for so long. So talk about this fabulous CD. I'm so excited about it. And that, I mean, maybe loads of people, well, in Brazil, they're playing Brazilian music. But here, I don't feel like a lot of people are putting out new things about this music. Are they? And I'm just not aware of it because just listening to this, I've been going crazy with it. I'm very, very excited. Talk about this. I am so happy that you like it. Um, I do. I love it. You and the taste that you have and the experiences that you have, your, your endorsement means the world to me. It's fabulous. Uh, The, uh, you know, 10 years ago was 50 years and I missed the opportunity to make this record. And that was the universe looking after me 
because it gave me the opportunity to make the record after I've had so many more experiences and become such a more, uh, um, I've had so much more growth as an artist. Um, but so 10 years ago, I made a record called Blues for Night People, the Nate Najar trio remembers Charlie Bird. And there was some bossa nova on it. We even recorded Desafinado on it in a different key. And I played the verse um, that, uh, uh, so there's a couple of Jobin tunes on that record. But um, but when I had thought about doing that, it was too, th there was no way I could make this record and get it out. And uh, so 60 years, I said, I am not missing the opportunity to make jazz samba. There's nobody more important to me as a guitar player than Charlie Bird. And there's very swing and samba to me do the exact same thing rhythmically. They when they're done right, they they do the same. It's the same feeling. <laughs> I was going to make this record no matter what. 60 years. Okay. I'm not waiting until 75. I'm, gonna, I'm doing it now. <laughs> That's what's happening. And so, um, you know, of course, Chuck Red, my dear, dear friend, Chuck Red, he was the drummer in the Charlie Bird Trio for 21 years, the last 21 years of Charlie's life. And uh, so, and I'm fortunate Chuck's made a lot of records with me over the years. Uh, there was nobody else I would even consider asking to play drums on the record. 
uh, Herman Bernie, the bass player, he has Keeter's bass. Keeter Betts is the was the bass player in the Charlie Bird Trio for the first part of Charlie's career, and he's on all those iconic records, including Jazz Samba. And Herman has Keeter's bass that he played on Jazz Samba. So, uh, and I've been playing with Herman in various situations uh, for a little over 10 years now, and he's one of the finest bass players in jazz. Um, I don't know what his highest profile gig is, so I, I don't I, uh, I don't know where I could say you might have seen him, but I know plenty of people have seen him playing with Freddie Cole, who's with Freddie for a long time. And uh, so plenty of uh, plenty of the listeners would have seen or heard him. And uh, and when you get Jeff Samba, you get to hear him featured again. Um, and then, uh, of course, Jeff, you know, there is there are plenty of people who could have made this record. There are plenty of saxophone players saxophonists who could have made this record <laughs> but but there's only one who could have made this record he boils it down to one thing he says he's man enough to play pretty
My guest guitarist Nate Najar from his new CD, Jazz Samba Pra Sempre. This CD celebrates the landmark 1962 album by Charlie Bird and Stan Getz, which launched the international bossa nova craze. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You know, we're artists, and so what we do, what all of us do, is um, we... I don't even want to say we create something. I've had a kind of perspective on life and the universe and everything. And as you and I know, as we know, the music actually already exists. Just like mathematics and language, the music actually exists. And we hear it and pull it out and present it. And that's what happens when we say we're creating something. But the music is all already there. It's like one big sine wave. It's like one big tone. You know, like the overtone series, you know, down in the very low octave, you just do an octave. And then in the next octave, you can do a fifth and then you can do a third. And then and then you stack. And by the time you get to the very top of the overtone series, you've just played all the notes. You know, that's all the music already exists. And we're just finding it and curating it. And putting it out. And what makes us the artist is what we hear and how it's filtered through us and comes out. So, you know, I, you know, I've, I've, I've become a hippie in my old age. And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, I really, I truly believe that the, the core of everything is love. Mm. And I think the greatest artists, the greatest artists are the ones who regardless of the medium, whether it's music or the written word or visual art or even something. I think the the greatest artists, what they do is they literally just give love and ask for nothing. And they give love in a language that they speak. They give love in a way that they are able to express love. Now, you have artists that have extreme virtuosity, but maybe leave you a little cold. And those are artists that have a different relationship to things. And you can be very successful with extreme virtuosity. And there are also artists who, you know, somebody who's unkind might say, I don't understand why that person's so well-liked. I don't think they play well. I don't think they nail it. I don't think they this, that, or the other. But they're doing something that is connecting. And that connection is really giving love. And then you have artists who have extreme virtuosity and give love. And those are the ones that just unequivocally, you know, and we can we can name a lot of them as well. You know, Louis Armstrong's the perfect example. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, Louis, there's this great story about, you know, Louis in a recording studio in Chicago uh, with the, and the band shows up and they, they say, what do you want to play? And you call something like, I'm, I'm telling the story wrong, of course, but you tell, call something <laughs> like Ro- Rosetta or something, you know, just, uh... just, just, just some tune. You know, the, and then they, they start playing and Lewis, he sings a chorus and he plays and he just gives like the greatest performance possible. The guy, the story is told by, uh, by 
God, I wish I could remember it better. It's somebody who was in the band at the time. And and they said, after the take, they said, Lewis, how did you, you know, how did you do that? And he says, play for somebody you love. of this CD when it came out because you and I know this it's hard to even think there was a time when when Brazilian music and jazz wasn't married right but this was really the beginning of that wasn't it where it really launched that and everybody would say well of course it's a natural talk about that well you know it's interesting because before both of our times you know I mean we're we're so spoiled with the information exchange in this day and age and frankly, you know, even we're spoiled with the information exchange that we had even from the 60s, 70s, 80s on. The fact that the fact that we have access to this music and we had access to it because of people like Charlie Bird, because, you know, Charlie, he did in the late 50s, he did a, um, a bunch of State Department tours, the State Department. And it was really the CIA that was doing this. Uh, I did I, those tours. I know. Yeah. I'm reinforcing you know? that thought. Continue. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this, it was really the CIA. And Latin America <laughs> in the 50s was a very important place because it was obviously it was so close to home. And um, and it was up in the air in terms of what was going to happen politically and how does that affect the United States? So. Um, so the State Department was, you know, obviously was sending people out everywhere to, uh, and they used jazz. It's, it's interesting. There's a Washington Post article from 1959 that talks about one of Charlie's State Department tours. And it says that, um, uh, the writer of the article, the Washington Post can't understand why they would use something as lowbrow as jazz to represent <sighs> America. So sad. But the truth is, you know, jazz is such a distinctly American art form. Oh, yeah. It's such a uniquely, distinctly American art form that it obviously it was, the, and, it, and it showcases so many things that are what the real American ideals are. And, uh, and it's, uh, it was the perfect vehicle to kind of spread around the world. But Charlie, being the curious 
guitar music loving person that he was, he, everywhere he went, he would go buy sheet music. So Charlie, everywhere he went, he picked up music. People don't realize how hip this guy was. If you listen to his records really throughout his whole career, but particularly late 50s through the mid 60s, the arrangements and the attention to detail on the music he presented, he found stuff that nobody was doing and he presented it, filtered through him, so that people who otherwise would have never heard it had a chance to hear it. Just to reinforce that thought that you're talking about Charlie Bird getting sheet music around the world and and how special it was when you were able to travel then. And I know I talked to Dave Brubeck's son about how his travels and his State Department tours influenced his playing, and he brought that back. And that's very important, and that's different than somebody ordering the sheet music online. Right. Actually being there in the country and hearing these people in person. So talk about this, though, yeah. because this was what was happening there, and and I know why you're celebrating it, because you love it so much. But just a little flavor for our audience who don't realize how how, what an eye-opener this was for yeah. people. They didn't know Brazilian music in this way, and for two, for Stan Getz and Jobim and all of them to get together in Charlie Bird. So talk about that. Well, it was a perfect marriage. The, the timing was perfect. It was like everything converged at the right time because Charlie's doing a State Department tour, 1959. And 1959 is the year that Joao Gilberto released Chega de Saudade. So Charlie's State Department tour wasn't just Brazil. It was all of South America. He went to Venezuela. He went to Colombia. He went everywhere. And he picked up sheet music from all these places and recorded all that music also uh, in various times and various situations. But regarding the Bossa Nova, when he was in Brazil, Joao Gilberto had just come... Well, Elisete Cardoso had just come out with an important record. And uh, she recorded Chega de Saudade. And... Um, and Joao Gilberto was the guitar player on that record as a studio musician. And Jobim had written the arrangements. And then Joao had the opportunity to make a record the same year. And he recorded that tune and a number of other Jobim tunes. The origins of samba and the origins of New Orleans traditional jazz are an extreme parallel at the same time. And... I think that's part of the reason we like samba so well. But so Joao Gilberto distilled samba into something that could be done in the guitar. And uh, then he made this record, Chegasaraji, and it became a massive hit in Brazil. And of course, this is the beginning of the record industry. So there's not a lot of competition. You make something that everybody responds to. It's a Charlie Bird is there. Keter Betts, um, Buddy Depp and Schmidt, Bill Reichenbach, the, they're there. And what happens is the guys in the band are hanging out because that's what guys in the band on tour do, while Charlie is at state dinners and official functions and so forth. And Charlie gets these records, and he comes back, and he kind of he starts playing the music at his gig at the Showboat Lounge. He starts, he starts playing these tunes. And the, the part that's really hip is that jazz samba a bunch of the tunes from Jazz Samba came straight off that first Joao Gilberto record. ¶¶ 
Charlie Bird and Stan Getz on Leisure. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to Jazz Inspired on your favorite podcast platform and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production not funded by NPR. Please visit jazzinspired.com to find out how you can chip in and support us. No gift is too small. And please write a review on Apple Podcasts, which is the best way for us to entice others to listen to the show. Thanks for helping us spread the word and celebrate our 22 years on air. I'm talking to guitarist-producer Nate Najar. To my record, which is Jazz Samba Pra Sempre, and uh, what that means is Jazz Samba Forever. Uh, because to and me, I agree with that thought. <laughs> yeah, you know, the title came itself, you know, I mean, exactly, it's, uh, exactly. So, so on my record, what I did, it's something a little different. And it's because of my experiences, both as a jazz musician, as a producer, as somebody who has done things and has interests outside of jazz. And as somebody who, especially lately, but sort of always has had a very close relationship to Brazilian music. Uh, On my record, I approached it rather than as jazz musicians playing this repertoire as jazz musicians. I approached this record from a, a purely aesthetic point of view. I am crazy about aesthetic. And that original Jazz Samba album has such a universe of its own that it inhabits and there's lots of records that do that there's also plenty of records that are just a record but there's lots of records that inhabit their own space and i find that extremely alluring and uh so so what i did is on some of the tunes 
you know, I didn't tell the guys play like this, but I really said, I want to create an aesthetic that envelops the listener and gives us a space to inhabit for the length of it. It's basically on record. I'm trying to capture, I'm trying to bottle that ephemeral moment. That's really what it is. I want to bottle the ephemeral moment of all of us experiencing this together. Mm. Within that direction and confines, we played the material in jazz with a few exceptions. And the few exceptions are uh, the two songs that Daniela is on, which is Upato, Elushu Saw, and uh, and then the, the solo guitar piece, which is Nabaixo do Zapateru. Uh, in North America, it's known as Bahia. Um, on those songs, uh, although I say that, but those songs, uh, it was the two songs that Daniela's on, Elusha Saw, the Aribojoso tune, and uh, Opato, the Jorgeberto tune, both of those have plenty of space where there is real jazz, off the cuff, real jazz actually occurring.
My guest, producer-guitarist Nate Najar from his CD, Jazz Samba Pra Sempre. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I love you talking about creating an aesthetic and an atmosphere. It's very evocative, which I felt with the whole record. And I feel that that used to be done more than it is now. Am I wrong? Am I just missing some of the newer... I mean, because people, I, I get things all the time. People are sending me things constantly for the show. And they may, they may be good, they may not be good. But I don't feel that people are having that approach that you're talking about. I miss it. I yeah. even think about some of those old album covers, you know, when people would make fun of it, you know, because there'd be the, the trumpet and the sexy woman. But Whip it got cream me and in other the delights. mood. It got me in the mood. You know, I mean, look at Herb, Herb Alpert's a genius. Well, see, I have, I have the answer for you. I absolutely Don't give have, me, I, you know. Please tell me the I, answer, Nate. Uh, my, my, my best friend refers to me as Cassandra because I, because I, I behave like I see the future. And, and honestly, it's a perfect pivot point because the answer is it's in the producer. It's yeah. in the producer. And it's not that the producer has, uh, it's not that the producer is heavy handed or not heavy handed or micromanages or doesn't micromanage or how much. It has to do with a big picture artistic mm. vision. Yeah. And in the early days of the recording industry, in the early days of this artist industry, whatever it was and whatever it's become, and as the record industry grew and what we do grew, you know, you had, I mean, look at all the great albums in other genres. Look at all the great concept albums. Look at all the great big picture thoughtfulness that happened in music over the recording era, over our lifetimes, the stuff that really informs us culturally. Mm. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, you know, the the Eagles, the stuff that people of, you know, of, of our generations really respond to. Right. You know, it has, it's, it's an overall big picture artistic vision. And what's happened is in the last generation, generation and a half, sort of two generations, What's happened is you have an individual who's an artist who wants to say something with their instrument or with their music, and they want to do it, but they just do it themselves. And that's okay. I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. I do it myself, so I can't- But you're also I, a I producer, though. But so I'm, that a, I, I'm a producer because I have, because for whatever reason, my experiences have caused me to look at things in a different way and approach it from that way. And as a result, the output is what it is. Whereas uh, you know, there's, there are many other wonderful artist producers. I mean, there's lots of them, you know, there's some that I, you know, really, really greatly admire. Uh, but there's also many artists who, you know, for an example, I play the saxophone. I want to make a record. I wrote some tunes. And so you write the tunes and then you call some guys and you go in a studio and you make the record and it it kind of falls flat. The material might be great. Maybe he picked the wrong guys for the date. Maybe he picked the wrong studio for the date. Maybe the arrangements could have been curated a little better. Whatever it is, it falls flat. And, you know, he listens to it and he says, I wish I had done something different with it, but I don't know what it was that I should have done different. That's where somebody 
with the best producer, the best producer will, well, the, the sole job of the producer, regardless of how heavy-handed or light-handed the actual work becomes, the sole job of the producer is to best realize the artistic vision of the artist, full stop. I'll give you a great example. I just produced an album for a wonderful tenor player here in Florida who's never done anything on his own out in the industry. He and his wife own a music school up in North County. Uh, they do wonderful, wonderful things with kids. They give scholarships. They, they, she's a wonderful piano player and singer. Um, he plays in blues bands and swing bands around town. He gigs and he's a wonderful tenor player. He used to tour with Bobby Blue Bland. So he's like, he's really got some, some uh, bona fides, you know, in, in, in lots of ways. He went to the new school 25 years ago or whatever. So he wanted to make a record and he said, Nate, I love the sound of the records you make. Would you produce this? And it was all original compositions. And he sends me some, some music to, not to listen to. He sends me some scores to look at. They're handwritten things. He scanned them. And the, and I said, I said his, his name is Eric Mullins. And uh, the record's going to be out any day now. Um, I'm not sure of the release date, but it's it's really, it's about to come out. And it'll be out on vinyl. It's one of the best sounding things I've ever done. It's amazing. And I had very little to do with it, which is the best part. He sends me this. I said, Eric, you've got to do this in New York with some New York guys I can make some recommendations, but I'm sure you know some people. But really, you need to get the right guys for this music. I know the studio we're going to do it at. I know how I'm going to record it to get the sound that you want. Because over the course of our conversations, I know what kind of sound you like. And we did the date in uh, in December. We did the date. It was two days tracking in uh, my Favorite studio in all of New York, East Side Sound. It's in the Lower East Side. Lou Holtzman is, he's like the last standing New Yorker. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's great. Uh, and so, so we did the date and um, it was a three horn front line and, uh, and three rhythm, you know, just a, a standard group, uh, all original stuff. And his compositions are so hip it's not about the the changes in the melody but it is about the changes in the melody it's, it's i don't know how you have to hear it that's the only thing i can say it inhabits a world and i captured it in a way to present this it's an ephemeral moment is what it is and if he had taken those compositions and just gone to a studio in town and called some local players and put the music in front of them he would have gotten something totally different and would not have been this ephemeral moment. Mm. So, mm. but I, but what I'm saying is I did very little on this record. Whereas there's, mm. you know, there's records that I produce where I do the arrangements and I play on it. And I, so, you know, I do a lot of stuff. Um, so it just depends what the artist is, what the intention is. It's all about intention mm. and, uh, mm. and so forth. So back to what you were talking about regarding, you know, some records that may fall flat it's because in the when there was a lot of money to be made in the record industry, because everything goes back to money. Everything goes back to, you know, the media companies and the it's just, you know, the Beatles are so lucky to have been in the right place at the right time because you had four guys who were at a place in history where somebody could make such big money off of them that they were given the opportunity to explore what it meant to be an artist. Mm. that's really what happened with the phenomena that was the Beatles. No, and that's so beautifully put because people say, 
that it's all about the money or it's who you know or all of that. But I don't think they think deeply about what that really means and what it affects. At least I didn't. I mean, now that I, through the years as I've gotten older, I remember hearing all these cliches when I was young. And I was young and motivated and talented and smart. And I thought, I can go off, I can do anything, because I was also driven. And I thought, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I don't have any money. It doesn't matter that I don't know anybody. I'm going to be a huge success. And then as you get older and smarter, you see that it is about money. Yeah. And it is about who you know. Or as I say, it isn't who you know, it's whom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Essa mulata quando dança é luxo sol Quando todo seu corpo se embalança é luxo sol Tem um não sei que que faz a confusão O que ela não tem, meu Deus, é compaixão Eta mulata bamba, olha Essa mulata quando dança é luxo sol Quando todo seu corpo se embalança é luxo sol Porém, seu coração quando se agita e palpita Mais ligeiro, nunca vi compasso tão brasileiro Essa mulata quando dança é luxo sol Quando todo seu corpo se embalança é luxo sol Tem um não sei o que que faz a confusão O que ela não tem, meu Deus, é compaixão Eta mulata bamba My guest, producer guitarist Nate Najar, from his CD Jazz Samba Pra Sempre with Daniela Soledadji on the vocal. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I look at how you have evolved through the pandemic. You and I know each other personally. We've talked about the fact that we work together, and we met each other. And the, it was my first gig. Yeah. So we'll always have that. And that's a very important spiritual thing for me as well, that that we got together and that was my... You were doing some gigs in Florida, but I'd completely stopped playing. So it right. was a year of not performing. And we met then. And so we... That Well, that will be important for everybody. You remember that our first gig, the presenter actually teared up when he was... Introducing, introducing us. the band, yeah. And then the third one, I teared up when I was thanking the audience and I had to stop because I couldn't keep talking. And 
I think that it's an important message for other creative people who are listening to this, other musicians are in the arts, is that we're in a business now that doesn't have the kind of money or we're not we're not the Beatles at that time when people can make money off of it in the same kind of way. So you have to make choices and keep evolving. Yeah. And that's something that you've certainly done because I know that you and Danny, your wife, were performing and you uh, I first heard about your that series that you did during the pandemic from Lee Merdner mm -hmm. from Jazz Times because he was so impressed that you lots of people were doing things online but again I feel that you brought this concept of creating a vibe create you know you had a real concept yeah. with these concerts it wasn't just Danny and Nate from our living room well, it started out that way <laughs> it did but it, we all started that way. I mean, my I did my first film just as a joke, and then it got 10,000 views, and I thought, wait a minute, people watch this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I need more of a concept. I, I, love, I love the one with all the with all the stuffies, all the stuffed animals. Well, that's, when I got, that's when I got my concept together. The first one I just did, and then I thought, wait a minute, who can I get to listen to me that's COVID immune? Uh -huh. Stuffed animals. I called all my friends. It's brilliant. <laughs> But I think that's an important thing to talk about um, a bit of just taking what we have and, and evolving with that. And and because we live in the time we live in. Yeah. And how do you make that work? We've talked about, uh, about the feeling, the concept, um, the moment. And you have been going back and forth to Brazil to do some recording. And we're both in love with Brazil and have spent a lot of time there. I'm curious, I've never recorded. I've done I've done radio and some film, but I haven't done a and record. And you played with Jobim <laughs> in his house. I tried, I was trying to think I haven't recorded it. Oh, okay, so I've done it. <laughs> All right, so I have done that stuff. Um, but I was thinking for you, no, now you've embarrassed me. <laughs> This is what, okay. I'm jealous. I know, no, I just, I was thinking, I started thinking back on all this stuff. I mean, I think people, people actually think I speak Portuguese. I've been there so many times. You are, my, you are so Swedish. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> with my, with my fake Portuguese. But let me ask you, because I was curious, I was thinking about the fact that you've been going back and forth and have recorded there, then you come back and you record here. Is there a different approach to recording there for you as an American, we can't talk about Danny because in this regard, because she's Brazilian. But for you, is it just because you love Brazil and there's a vibe that's different? Because that's certainly there. But is recording different there? Oh, yeah. And if it is, okay, so talk about that. This is, uh, Judy, it's amazing. Those people were made for me. The one thing that that a cultural thing that you need to understand that puts it in context because as you and I know everything in our existence is context dependent and so to put it in context music song singing is at the center it was at the center of brazilian culture television you know here 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, we had sitcoms, we had, I mean, the whole American thing was dad goes to work, mom does her thing, kids are in school, kids home, come home from school, mom makes dinner, dad comes home from work, here's the martini, everybody has dinner, after dinner, everybody sits around the television and watches Ed Sullivan 
Kids go to bed. Mom and dad watch late night TV. Dad reads the newspaper, rinse, repeat, etc. That was the American ideal. I'm using air quotes. That was, you know, a two generations idea of America. And one of those generations was the largest generation in, you know, human civilization. So that was the American ideal. And when we watch TV, we watched Ed Sullivan. We watched I Dream a Genie. We watched Bewitched. We watched Star Trek. We watched uh, Little House on the Prairie. We, you know, and so this is what informs our cultural consciousness. People of my generation, you know, they grew up with Star Wars. They grew up with Indiana Jones. grew up with Ghostbusters. They, and we talk as a society with TV and film quotes. TV was America. But in Brazil, on TV, it was just people singing and playing music. <laughs> no, I know. And when I did when I did Jos Suarez, I've tried to explain that to people that there was there were multiple music acts, and yeah. he talked to all of them. That never happened here. Yeah, because there was <laughs> there were no sit. I mean, there was a couple of TV shows, but basically, you had the the novella, you had the soap operas, and then every other TV show was a music show. The whole society even with TV, was about singing songs and playing music because samba was the core of everything. Music really is in their cultural consciousness in a very different way mm. than it is for us in North America. taking this time and for this great message. I feel like, boy, if we ever needed it, and we're hopefully coming out of this pandemic situation, so it's a good time to say the flowers are coming again and there's lots of love in the world. It's all perfect. Thank you, my dear, and we're going to play together sometime soon, so I'm looking forward to that. 
You've been listening to my conversation with Nate Najar. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz inspires their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can listen to Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired on all podcast platforms and at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is sponsored in part with generous support from our listeners and Paige at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit page at 63main at opentable.com. And please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com.